for the African Fellows of Spain. Oh, yeah, that's okay. You do what it, you're, you're in charge now. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, let's take an offering then. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Good to be here with you again to share in fellowship. I enjoy the fellowship. And as a brother was saying today, one of the things I've been really pushing to make people Christians understand the power there is in fellowship, to provoke one another to love and to good works. So it's good to be able to share with you again. Well, we've had some requests for our African pastors to come and sing for us. And they've been deciding with the same because, you see, one is from Zimbabwe, one is from Mozambique, and one from Malawi. And uh, they're trying to see if they could get their songs together, that the ones that uh, they can be able to uh, language-wise do it better. Anyhow, one that has been asked for that we can do is one that they did um, Sunday morning. Some part of coming out. Can they do that down here? So we'll get the three of them to come. As they come, something about Brother Maxwell, Brother Friday, and Brother Domingos. You come. Brother Maxwell, this pastor we said in Malawi, um, started several churches there and is our general secretary. But um, the Lord has used him in Bible translation. He was the Malawian uh, national that, the, however, the Lord worked it out. And for 10 years, he helped them to translate the Bible in the Sena language. They have there's Chirwa language and the Sena language in, in Malawi, right? And they're translating the Bible into the Sena language. And for 10 years, he was the translator, giving them the, um, the Malawian, not, well, the, the Sena words for the English words um, there. Um, and after those 10 years, they printed the Bibles, um, they started to share them out. They found out that some people can read. So they shipped him over to Oklahoma some years ago and to teach him how to teach people, uh, to teach people to read. And so God has used him in many ways. And uh, so he knows his stuff as far as Bible translation and the different Greeks, some, some things that he's had to learn. And he had uh, refresher courses in, in different countries. But he's a real blessing church planter like all the others. So I thought just to say that about him. All right. What are y'all going to do? Brother Friday. What are y'all going to sing? Oh. Okay, okay. Go ahead with that one. Get, get, brother. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh. Okay. Um, we are going to sing Hakuna uh, Akaita Sajeso, which means there's no one uh, like Jesus. <coughs> uh,
All right, tomorrow night they'll do an individual one from their own countries uh, and sing for us. So, uh, what's that? What's that? <laughs> okay. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again that we have this opportunity given to us where we can share your word and to be in fellowship with people of like mind, like desires. Oh, God, we just thank you for this wonderful privilege and opportunity you've granted to me to be here and for these pastors and others who've come to be at this conference and to meet these believers here with the love for you and desire to inherit the kingdom. May you use this message to encourage, to challenge it, even to convict of sin and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen and amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Last night, uh, we looked at what does this mean, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and how important that this is to our lives. The kingdom of God is not a fly-by-night topic in the scriptures. Um, it is to me, searching the scriptures, now, as far as a one subject concerned, the one that is used and spoken of more than any other subject. Now, a lot of the other subjects find themselves within the core of the kingdom of God. And there are certain things like you know, when the Lord talks about his coming, usually, nearly every time, you'll find something about living a holy life in relationship to his coming. Now, the kingdom of God, when it speaks of that, has that in it. That there's always the thought of righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, um... When you follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus about the kingdom of God, the amount of times he refers to that in his ministry. And then Paul, you'll find that, and if you just make a search, how often Paul preached about the kingdom of God. I was extremely surprised when I first found this out. And how many years he would take to do it, even at the ending of his life, when he was in prison, and he had a house they could come to. And for three years, he says, and people came, and he spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God and the things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you, instead of me going through all these verses, just to save time, take time. Uh, today we have, you know, when sometimes in church, we usually say sometimes, take your Bibles and turn to. Now, because of the age we're living in, we say, uh, take your iPads and flip to, or whatever you say. Or a lot of people have their iPhones and the Android system, and they have the phones there. And some people feel that they're texting. Sometimes it might be. But I found out, and I did that. I was, when I was in, in Grand Turks, Brother Dave Adams was preaching, and uh, my... Uh, WhatsApp came on, and it was somebody from England WhatsApp me. And uh, so what I did, I put it in a microphone system, and I taped it and sent it, as Dave Adams was preaching, sent it to my friend in England. Now, you might have passed along and said, hey, look at Pastor Natrum and said they're playing with his phone. Well, you didn't know that I was sending the message I was hearing to somebody in England. So anyhow, if you have your iPhones... <laughs> Then you can check that out. It's so easy. Hmm. Kingdom of God. And boom, boom, boom. Now that's not only um, what's referred to that, kingdom of God. There's so many other terms that the writers use to refer to the kingdom of God that some people don't even know that it refers to the kingdom of God. 
And so the Bible is filled with this matter of the kingdom of God. Far more than those who would not listen to us about the kingdom of God. If they would just take time to see how much importance the Bible gives to the topic, to the subject of the kingdom of God. Um, then they would start to realize, and maybe a little, how important this is to their living and to their doctrine as well. Tonight, I want to share with you the traits of a kingdom seeker. Now, we tried last night to show you that all of us are kingdom believers in here. And a lot of other people are kingdom believers. They believe the kingdom in different ways, but a lot of believers, a lot of, lot of preachers, a lot of theologians do believe in the millennium kingdom. And they emphasize that. Um, as we said last night, from the time I got saved, I remember especially dispensationalists. Uh, they have their dispensations, and one of them is the kingdom of God, the millennium kingdom. Some of them have the wrong views about it, but generally speaking, a lot of them believe in the kingdom of God. But they don't understand and have never seen how much reference is made and how important that kingdom of God is to them personally and how it must affect their lives as far as it relates to righteousness, holiness, and words of like manner. And so I want to share the kingdom of God, the traits of the kingdom seekers. If you take your Bibles and turn... To the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you know where that is. Well, you can find it in two places, I suppose. But we'll go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> and I will not take the time to read the verses. Because it will take a lot of our time. And I don't want to belittle the power of the reading of the word of God at all. But... Suffice that I believe that if you're a kingdom seeker or even a kingdom believer, you should know a lot about the Sermon on the Mount. It tells you a lot of what you should be and what God wants us to be. Regardless how you interpret it, you apply scriptural truth to your life. And you'll see what this would do for you or what it will show you about yourself, what you're not. As you will see what you should be. And so I will make mention of these. Hopefully know, I believe that you should know this. If there's one place you think you should have memorized in your life. And we did that at school. In primary school. Um, they used to make you memorize what we refer to as the Beatitudes. And you had to stand up and say in primary school. That's a regular government school. So the trace of the kingdom of God, as we turn to Matthew chapter 5, and you can follow there as I, instead of me reading the verses, I will make the statements and go on and develop some thoughts as, and make some comments as we go on. And see how these traits, put them down, am I like this? Because I'm not giving you these to give you knowledge. They're there in the Bible. So you can learn them. But to remind you and me to speak to us. How do I line up with these traits? Are they seen in my life? Now all of us are of some level of maturity. Some higher than the others and so on. And so it is in the things that are spiritual. For example, we are told about the fruit of the spirit in the book of Galatians. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. I hope you, you, you know that. There are different parts to that fruit. It's just like you take a multivitamin, and I sometimes don't believe these people. They have like a hundred vitamins in this one little thing, and I find it hard to believe that. Well, I took a little small one today called B-complex, and it's complex to know <laughs> that so much of what they tell me is in there, and the amount of... Um, the potency of it in that one little tablet. Now, if I break that tablet up, 
you know, very little use to me. The fruit of the Spirit is one, and the person who walks in the Spirit at different levels of our lives, we have some measure of the fruit of all that, the parts of the fruit of all of that in our lives. We don't have just, some people say, you know, love and goodness, and then they don't have temperance. No. If you are a person who love the Lord and you're yielding yourself to the Lord, you have the fruit of the Spirit. We are different levels as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. You will have some measure of each of those parts of that one fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the same thing should be said of a kingdom believer as it relates to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. I don't think any of us have reached the full capacity of what we've called here to be in our actions and in our attitude. And so we must grow. I'm not sure if I'll be able to share with you something that I I learned just recently as I was preparing a message for home about the Apostle Paul. Maybe I should just stop and share it here with you. That Paul, in the different stages of his life, in in, in Philippians chapter 1, He talks about how he would like to be with Christ. But, uh, it's far better with Christ, but to be, he he says, I'm in a straight betwixt two. I would like to go with him, but I'd like to be with you so that I can help you. That's one stage he's in. He goes goes to chapter 3, and you hear him crying out, of Philippians chapter 3, referred to tonight again, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And he's still, although he wants to go home, he's still desiring and he has not yet reached what he feels is the zenith of his life, of knowing the power of God in his life. And he's still crying out, even though he wants to go to be with the Lord. That I may know him with the power of his resurrection and to join in fellowship with his suffering, being made conformable to his death. That's a verse that had been frightening to me when I read that. When I first saw that, I used to say, you know, like everybody, a song sentimental, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And boy, the other two. You know, the only way you can be, that they can be a resurrection? You know, the only way they can be a resurrection? They probably be a death. You've got to die. So if when you say, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, be ready to die. And you know how you usually die? You do what? You suffer. Now, that's the part I don't like. I, my, my soul recoils at the thought of suffering. I must confess that. And I have to ask God to help me. And I would like to be able to say like Paul, how Paul cried out. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, I, I, I desire that. But to say, like Paul, and to join in fellowship with his suffering, I, not, I have not come to that place in my life yet. I would love to be able to say like him with the intensity, with the passion, with a strong desire, and knowing that I meant that, being made conformable to his death. I don't think I've come to that place in my life yet. Well, see how long it took Paul to come to that place in his life? And then we turn quickly to, we turn our thoughts to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here's a different manner. In, in Philippians 1, he's saying, you know, I'm a straight betwixt two. I would like to go to be with the Lord, but I'd like to remain here in the flesh with you. He's still between two. Second Timothy chapter 4. He's come now. He's grown more in the Lord. And he's able to say now, I fought a good fight. I finished my... I'm ready to be offered up. There's nothing now of being in a straight between two. And there's nothing now, oh, I'd rather be with you now. He's come to the place in his life when he knows that he's reached that place in his life that God is 
ready for him, and he's ready to go with God, and he's finished his course. I've not come to that place in my life yet either. I've asked God, God, I would like to come to that place in my life that when death comes, I know it is that you are ready for me and I'm ready to go. Without any fear of God, I've not finished my course. God, please, let me remain for a little while. There's still some more work to be done. I feel like that right now, that God, I've not finished my course. I still feel that there's some more things to be done that I would like to do. But as you grow in your life, you could come to a place, and Paul came to that place in his life. So all of us are different levels at some stage in our lives. Paul went through that process, and so we go through that process too. I don't know what stage you are. Only God knows that stage where we are at. However, every one of us must desire to go on higher ground. Every one of us must have that strong feeling with us. Even if it is that, we might say, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and cast the rest. If you have not come to that place in your life, at least desire something more. Let the fruit of the Spirit become more in your life. Because you see, Paul prayed that the Philippians, that their love may abound more and more. So love grows. There are greater degrees of love and faith and all the other actions that God wants of us in our lives. And so we must desire that. So as we go through this and we mention these, it does not mean that all of us are the same level of the things given in the beatitude, but we must have some of them. And so what uh, are the traits of a kingdom seeker? Not just a kingdom believer, because there are many people who believe in the kingdom that that's all they do. Because they feel that once they die, they'll reign with Christ. And we know that's not true in the Bible. So the kingdom seeker, if you are a kingdom seeker, and I believe that you are since you're here tonight, and that you want to be able to experience what God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, has for us when he comes in his glory. I'll give you now. First of all, the kingdom speakers poor in spirit. There are a lot of debates what that means. All right? Being poor in spirit. And it doesn't have to do with anything about being poverty or anything like that. But your spiritual attitude, your way that you go in life, there's no haughtiness about you. You don't think you're better than anybody else. I just had a discussion with some people a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the leader of the church says, he's the man of God here. And if God doesn't speak to him and tell him this, then if he speaks to you, um, no, he didn't. He, that's not so, because he must speak to me. You know, that attitude, that I'm the man of God here. No, I'm the servant of God here. And all of us are human beings. We are, we are Christians, and God has just put me in a different position. Somebody must be the pastor. And it's not that I'm more intellectual than you are, or that I know more than the Bible than you do. Not at all. God in his sovereignty chooses people. We know that in the Bible. Because I think most of us pastors will say this. I don't know why God called me. Why did God choose me? We can look at so many other people that we believe far more qualified than us to do what we are doing. Poor in spirit. And if you think that you're more than somebody else and that you are the person God is. Look out for trouble. Poor in spirit. And all of us have different positions. And so, the person that cleans the church and the person that preaches, we're just co-laborers together. And if you clean the church more faithful, with greater joy, with a love of doing it, 
Then I come to preach, and they say, oh, boy, these people got to preach again. I don't know. And you have a bad attitude. The person who cleans that floor will receive greater reward. So position is not really the thing. It's attitude in what we are doing. Poor in spirit. They're that mourn. They, you know, that they see things and they have a great burden for people. They shall be comforted. How we see people on the road? How many times do you see people on the road? And you could say terms like this. Boy, look how they're wasting their life. They must be idiots. They don't know what they're doing wrong. And we forget. But for the grace of God, we were heading there too. And when we see people living their lives how they are, we should mourn. Say, oh, God, please help them. In their troubles. Blessed are the meek. Meek people. Not weak, but meek. A people who, when they are congratulated, uh, when they said, you know, you did a good job. That the head don't do so. Ooh. They take that. Say, and, and that we're able to truly say. To God be the glory. But sometimes we learn cliches. And we say praise God. That time we so feel so good within ourselves. The meek person is able to take that commendation. And don't let that commendation have power over them. A meek person is able to take things and control power in their lives. A meek person is able to control their position. And don't use their power. So some people say meekness is power under control. The Lord Jesus was a lion, lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's also the Lamb of God. And he didn't allow him being the lion of the tribe of Judah, do what James and John wanted them to do, bring down fire and burn these people up. No, the Lamb of God, the meek Lamb of God, was able to control his power and use it at the right time, under God's will, And in a wise and correct manner, a meek person is able to take power and don't let that power rule them or make them proud. So think of your own life and what you do and how you are when you think. So a kingdom seeker is a meek person. Blessed are the meek, it tells us. For they shall inherit the earth. Oh, boy, I'm getting them. You see these modern <laughs> things here? They're that hunger and thirst after righteousness. A kingdom seeker hungers and thirsts after righteousness. A kingdom seeker is a person, oh, God, please help me. Oh, God, I want to be like you. I want, to, I want to, your ways to be seen in me. The hunger and the thirst. Now, what's hunger and thirst in I don't know how many of you have really, really been thirsty. Now, thirsty, when you're thirsty, they say, when you don't get water and you're really thirsty, it can actually send you off. Uh, You know, I used to watch the westerns, and you see people in the desert with a little canteen of water, and how they fight for that little canteen of water, and then they go crazy afterwards. Thirsty, yeah. I had an operation years ago, and after coming, while coming out of the operation in the recovery room, I could remember myself. I thought I was shouting, but apparently I wasn't. And I was saying, nurse, nurse, water, please, water, please. I just come. And I felt the presence of the nurse over me and to, like, to give me the water. And I like it kind of opened my mouth. And all I felt was a wet, piece of cotton and she wiped my lips Mm. because I couldn't drink water boy that felt good I'll tell you how terrible thirst is you know the Lord Jesus on the cross what made him shout out how many things made him shout out 
One of the things that made him cry out is that he said, I thirst. And when you're thirsty, you're hungry. Some people say, I will never eat that. That's because you've never really been hungry. If you know what hunger is, then buddy, when it comes across, you'll take it up. That's what it means here. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's a craving for it. As we quoted last night. As the heart panteth after the water brook. So panteth my soul after thee. Oh God. And they tell us that the deer there. Um, they have this amazing ability to smell water. And they're thirsty. And then they just smell it. They don't know exactly where it is. They don't know how far it is, but they're thirsty. And they're running towards that water brook. Nothing stops. And they just keep running and running and running towards that water brook until they get it. That's what it means here that you and I thrive after it. Oh, God, please help us. So, one of the traits of the kingdom seeker is a hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That takes in a lot of other areas of our lives, but we won't be able to deal with that. Blessed are the merciful. A kingdom seeker is a merciful person. I'm learning more about this matter and to be merciful to people. And then I think of God's mercy to me. And then there's sometimes I see, I see a person and I say, oh, God, have mercy on them. And then the thought, Carl, you're asking God to have mercy on them? And I say, well, God is all merciful God. And if, <laughs> how can I ask God to have mercy? And God is having mercy on them. But we need to be like God. And a lot of times we want people to be judged. We want to prove we are right. And sometimes we go about trying to prove that we are right. And we're not to do that. Vengeance belongs unto me, saith the Lord. He will recompense. None of us could take vengeance and take vengeance without it in the flesh. Anytime we take vengeance is in the flesh. Mark it down. Not righteousness. And so you must be merciful people. And this takes in a whole realm of life dealing with people with their problems, with their needs, with their situations in life, with the things they do against us and whatever else. We must deal in mercy. Blessed are the merciful. How are you? Are you ready? Are you a merciful person? The kingdom of God. Mercy is merciful. Are you a seeker? And do you have that quality in your life? Hmm? Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. Where nobody can see. Except God. You know, it's so easy to be able to have a nice, pleasant face and the heart is ugly looking. While we're smiling to the person, our heart is frowning. That's not a pure heart. Now, usually when we think of pure heart, and that's included, we think, you know, about right thoughts, holy thoughts, and all of that. But it is the attitude in which we are doing what we are doing. And we do a lot of good works in the flesh. And outwardly, and our heart is telling, Man, why on earth did they ask me to do this? Can they ask somebody else to do it? They don't know how much time I have at home, and there are so many other people in the church. They don't even have children. And so they come along and they see you sweep in the church or whatever it is, church. And when, when they see you uh, and, and somebody pass along, you're saying, "Is joy in serving Jesus. And as soon as they're gone, 
I wonder why they didn't ask, brother, this. Whether for somebody else to do it. And your heart not pure in what you're doing. Now, it has to do with morals too as well. But the kingdom seeker is a person who wants to keep their hearts pure. In their thoughts. In the motives and why they're doing what they're doing. Not to just show that we are spiritual. A lot of times we do things to try to show people I'm more spiritual than you. That we are spiritual. All we're doing is being carnal. Not pure in heart. This is what we've got to be careful with. A lot of us have been learned people to be diplomatic. Very, we are a lot of diplomacy. We have good manners. Good etiquette. And we're able to put that on because we've learned it. But behind that is all it is is a charade because the heart is not pure. And we're able to make people feel we like them when we really don't like them. A kingdom seeker is of a different frame of mind. He'll be pure in heart. In other words, he'll be sincere when he tells you, I love you, it means that. It's not a little cliche or something that you learn. God, you know, we say sometimes, God bless you. I mean anything much by it. It's a cliche. Many times. The kingdom seeker is sincere in what he tells you and what he does for you. Blessed are the peacemakers. Ah, a kingdom seeker is not a troublemaker. He doesn't seek to get people on his side or people against each other. He makes peace. And what he does, well, the Bible tells us, live peaceably with all men as much as possible. But I put it within the church thing. I tell somebody, if you ever read the book, The Tale of Three Kings, anybody? The Tale of Three Kings, one person. I like to encourage you. It's a very small book. It's not very much. I believe I believe you can download it on Kindle or one of those, a free or a PDF file. The Tale of Three Kings. And in one, it has a chapter, How to Split a Church. And I saw that, wow, well, How to Split a Church. And the Tale of Three Kings has to do with David, Saul, and Absalom. And he uses the thing with Absalom when Absalom came to overthrow David. And David's friends came to him and said, David, we will go with you. And David says, no, you stay with him. Now, most of us, knowing who Absalom was, we say, oh, boy, come and go with me. No, he said, you stay with Absalom. He might need you. And he says, if you're going to split a church, if you're going to leave a church, leave alone. Don't seek to take anybody with you. Go on your own. If you're not, if you're not satisfied, just go on your own. Don't take anybody with you. And if somebody coming for you, tell them, no, you stay, please. You stay. This is my decision. Eventually, the truth will be known. Eventually, you'll be vindicated in God's own time, like David was. And later on, those people came to bring back David. Peacemaker, just go by your own. Don't cause trouble in church or in your family life or wherever it is. Learn to be a peacemaker. Now they live right, as we said again, but they live righteous lives. Except your righteousnesses exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh boy, we have a lot of different things. People say, well, you know, the only way to get this righteousness is for you to get saved and get the righteousness of Christ imputed into you. This talks about practical living. You better, you see those Pharisees, they do a lot of good works. But you better do good works like them too, but with a right attitude, with a righteous attitude. They're hypocrites. Don't be like them. Let your good works, let that what you do to God, your tithing and all the other things that they did to show how righteous they are. I want you to do those righteousnesses with the right mind and right heart. It is then your righteousness will exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. 
great emphasis is played on righteousness and for the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And boy, we must have that desire in our lives to live that way. Now, we, don't, we can't get that in, in our own, obviously. The way to be able to do that is to yield ourselves to the Lord Jesus. And so that we can do all things through him. And it is his power working through us as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And we are under his control. When it says be filled with the Spirit, one of the, in, one of the translations says be controlled by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit control your life. You know, Tim LeHay had written something long time ago about the four different personalities. You remember them? The sanguine personality, the, the phlegmatic, and the, um, the one that I am, the impulsive one. Uh, there's a choleric, the other one, uh, the impulsive person, you know, ready to go, and then burns out. Anyhow, the one that said Peter is. And... Tells you how you, you know, about these, these personalities and one dominate the other. Guess what? We must learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and let Him fine tune our lives. The word control comes from the word fine tune. You know, like you, you have a music thing on and you don't want the bass to outdo the other music and you fine tune it till you have a proper balance. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our personalities. James put it this way. That he may be entire, lacking nothing. The word entire there, lacking nothing, means to be well formed. To be symmetrical. Like a building. Or like a bodybuilder. You know, that if you watch bodybuilders, a lot of them are not symmetrical. Some of them win best arms. But their legs, Small. Some of them in the pose, they have a big back like me. <laughs> but another part of their body not well built. The one, now they will win the best category. But the one that comes out as the best bodybuilder is the one who might have less uh, triceps and biceps and, and the other things that they have, might have less than them, but they are in equal proportion. They're not off balance. So it says that he might be entire lacking nothing. He might be symmetrical in your life. That the Holy Spirit will balance you out. And he'll fine tune your life. So that that personality you think that's dominant. That it wouldn't be dominant anymore. It would be under his control. And we too like to say that's how I am. That's how God made me. That's my personality. That needs to be put under the control of the Holy Spirit. We'll say a little bit about the next one that's coming up tomorrow night, Lord willing, in a different way. But it says, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You you notice how often this righteousness comes up? Hmm? Blessed are ye, sorry, are, are they which are persecuted for what? For righteousness' sake. And sometimes we cause people to say bad things about it because how we behave. But let it be for righteousness sake. And so um, we said kingdom seekers get persecuted somehow for some reason. And we'll deal with that a little bit about what we get persecuted for and, and see how it is in your life and, and so on. But blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, why do people don't like you as a kingdom believer? Why? Is it that you're always up in the face and tell them, hey, you better believe in the kingdom? Or is it because they see a difference in your life because of what you believe? Are you giving them the wrong cause to persecute you, to say wrong things about you? Hmm? You know, Peter deals with that, that don't suffer as an evildoer. Then, kingdom seekers are salty people. They have savor in their life. He said, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt has lost its savor, where shall it be salt? It's cast out. And that's what we've come to in the world today. That generally speaking, Christians have lost their salt, their savor. Kingdom seekers will be salty people. Will be the salt of the earth. Kingdom belief seekers must be the people who will others see in Christianity. You know, said, oh, how the churches are getting on today. What Christianity is like. Oh, that they might find a kingdom seeker and see differently. Because a true kingdom seeker will savor, will restrain evil. And put people on the spot. By how we live. And so the next thing is that kingdom seekers, they, that kingdom seekers, their lights are seen. By how we live. By how, when you go to work, you're a kingdom seeker, your light must be seen. By how you do your work. By your attitude in your work. And that when people do something wrong to you, that you don't act like the others. And not a put on, but a natural working of the Holy Spirit in your life that you don't have to force yourself to put on a smile. To force yourself, when somebody says something wrong, to say, for you to respond in a kind manner. The kingdom seeker, their lights are seen naturally in your workplace, in your neighborhood. A kingdom seeker is like this. In your neighborhood, I see, you know, you all don't have a lot of fences here. Your houses are open. But some neighbors, you know, they have the garbage. And when you're not looking, they throw it in your yard. And so, what do you do as a kingdom seeker? You wait. and Boy, you're so vexed with them now and everything else. And you wait till they turn their back. And they, you throw it back over. A kingdom seeker goes up and takes that garbage up and puts it out. And when tomorrow they do the same thing, the kingdom seeker does the same thing. Picks up the garbage, cleans it up. If the dog tears it up, he goes and cleans it up and put it in the garbage. And he continues to do that. You can apply that across the board to a lot of other things where people unfear you. Where people do things wrong to you. The kingdom seeker responds. It is light shining by doing right. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. A lot of times our words. Though they're good words. The manner in which we send them out are not so good. But our works, ah, our good works, if it's done the right way, they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that's a kingdom seeker. A kingdom seeker, particularly those of us who preach, live what we teach. See? That's what the Lord tell, uh, told them to do as far as when uh, he tells us here in um, verse Oh, let me get here. Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So those of us who tell people about the kingdom, we better live what we tell them. If we are to be great in the kingdom. We are consistent our living is consistent with what we teach and preach. A true kingdom seeker. So if you go in and teach the kingdom, you're going to tell men about how to live, you better live how you tell them to live. All of us. The same thing as we deal with our children, with our friends, with our family. With those in the church or wherever it is. Otherwise you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
Let's be conscious of that. And so the righteousness is like that of God and exceeds others. The kingdom seeker, they maintain a right attitude and relationship with their brothers. The Lord Jesus tells them how, how to treat your brother. If any man is angry, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And it goes on. And boy, this, this is a real interesting passage. I need to discuss this with some of you all sometimes. With the thought that he's talking to brother. And he says um, there, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Ooh. What does that mean? If he's talking to kingdom people. We get things right with one another. We don't wait, you'll see. You don't, you don't wait. We don't wait till the other person get things right. We make things right in our hearts with God towards that person. Too many of us wait until somebody else make the move. We wait until we think things are cleared up. Bible tells us that we forgive from the heart. That's where it starts from, from the heart. So if you could think, you're kingdom seeker, you could think of anybody doing you any hurt, whether you perceive it to be true or whether it's real, the true kingdom seeker gets that out. And there's a warning about that. A real frightening warning. A true kingdom seeker maintain a right attitude and relationship with their brothers. It tells us if you, uh, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, we heard some of that this morning or this afternoon. Remember thy brother and I've ought against thee. Leave thy, there thy gift before the altar. Go first. Go first and go talk to your brother. You maintain that relationship. You don't say, I've been unfeared. Actually, the kingdom believer takes the unfairness. That's like the Lord Jesus. We don't try to vindicate and prove that I have been unfeared. He takes it. And is able through the power of the Holy Spirit to take that act of injustice. Or what we perceive as being wrong. And take that. And through the power of the Holy Spirit. Get rid of it in our lives. And not just act. But behave in a spiritually mature way. And love that person. And act in kindness Towards that person. That's a kingdom seeker. You see. I said last night. This is not normal Christian living. This is radical. This is above what they tell you to do. How we should be. Christ the Lord Jesus goes above that. That's how I am. That's how God is. When you think what God did. For the Lord Jesus come here. Read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, and, 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 and digest it. That was radical for him to come to us. And so he expects us to believe that. Those of us who want to reign with him. If you want to reign with him, you've got to be like him. I mean... Quickly give these and then come to my conclusion. But they're quite a, you read, read it and you'll see. They don't take long. The one that we need to think. This is. Don't take long to correct civil matters. It says if your adversary come, you agree with him quickly. Don't prolong this thing. And then you end up in jail. You know, trying to prove you're right. What's the sense of proving you're right and then end up? In the wrong. Listen, just make matters right and move on with your life. And sometimes some incidents and stakes are like, and we feel that we've got to go through a lot of uh, the law and this and that to prove that we are right. Says, agree with your adversary. Take care of matters very quickly. Don't let them stay there. As a kingdom seeker. Kingdom seekers even make physical sacrifices. You know, if I offend you, pluck it out. And he goes on, within the context, I had to do with the flesh. And he says, 
if you have a temptation that's great in your flesh, and then he talks about um, adultery and so on, better to cut it off than to go into the king, um, to enter into, it's better to enter into life maimed, into the life maimed, into the kingdom. It's radical. Now we do things that it would even hurt, and we, we, we put it to the physical, but that has to do with every area of our lives. Now we will even suffer in order to be able to live a right and holy life, not yield to the temptations that might be around us. Kingdom seeker, don't show off their spirituality. They don't do like the scribes and the Pharisees and go and make big prayers and show their giving and how much they give. A kingdom seeker does not show off their spirituality. Anytime you see somebody trying to show off how mature and spiritual they are, you know they're carnal. A kingdom seeker don't prove to say that he's a better preacher, a good preacher, or what all the other things, and I got more knowledge than you. No. That's not meekness anyhow. A kingdom seeker strives. No, a kingdom seeker, chapter 7, deals with his own sin first before he deals with his brother's sin. When you see something wrong with your brother, don't go to him. Take out the beam that's in your eye. Take it out first. A kingdom seeker, before we go to deal with somebody about us, check and see, Lord, is there any sin in my life? Before I judge my brother. A kingdom seeker always examines himself and searches his heart. A kingdom seeker will always have the words like David. Lord, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sin. Lord, help me to know the error of my ways. A kingdom seeker doesn't think that he's so righteous. Actually, a kingdom seeker thinks, "Why, God, why am I so unrighteous? God, why am, why am I not more like you? A kingdom seeker strives to enter into the narrow gate. And the word strive has to do with making effort. Like seek. Like seek is the same thing. To make a great effort. Strive to enter into that narrow gate. He makes an effort. Kingdom seeking does not just come to church and say, I believe in these truths. Kingdom seekers make an effort for these things to be part of their lives. And in this world, you're fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. It takes a lot of effort to do that. Kingdom seekers do that. See, kingdom seekers run the race that they may win the incorruptible crown, like Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9. And they run a race. And Paul says, you know, in in this thing, I'm, I'm fighting I'm not making fun with this matter. I don't, I'm not one like beating the ear. I keep my body into subjection. I make an effort not to sin. I make an effort not to yield to that temptation. I don't play with it. That's what Paul is saying. Why? Because a kingdom seeker wants to win that incorruptible crown. And he strives for it. And kingdom seeker has this in mind. I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be disapproved. I don't want to forfeit what God has for me. I want to win. You see, in winning, the wonderful thing about it is, my winning does not mean that you cannot win. You know, in a regular race, where somebody's a winner, somebody's a loser. Hey, praise God, all of us could be winners. A 
And we don't compete against each other. To see if I get there before you or more than you. The kingdom wants to win, and all of us, praise God, must have that in us. Therefore, they run the race with patience. Patience, that means they endure. Well, you know, sometimes there's a difference in enduring something, and you're wanting it, oh boy, and you're, going, you're just enduring it. But there's a difference in enjoying while you endure. Endure means I'm going to keep on going on regardless what I meet on. But when I meet on it, my joy is not going to leave me. I enjoy enduring for God. We don't have this persecution syndrome in us. We count it all joy when we fall in diverse Temptations or trials. See, Peter tells us about that to rejoice if you're persecuted. And so we run the race with patience. Continually, as we run this race, the kingdom seeker continually lay aside the weights that hinder them. Continually. Friends, all of us, every one of us tonight, have a weight in our life or weights in our lives. We've got to find out and put it back. Keep, keep putting off those weights. And then he says, a kingdom seeker with all this, as he runs that race, he will lay aside, he will get rid of the sin that besets him. And some people, some of us have to look so hard for the sin in our lives, boy. Because we're so holy, we think about ourselves. And if we really had to look, it's not too far away. Sin, like, like um, what God called, told Cain, sin left at that door. At that door, at that door. Is there? Kingdom seekers, dear friend, keep looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. They don't look towards the kingdom conference. Or the kingdom conference preacher. Or whoever else. A kingdom seeker keeps looking on to Jesus. The author and finisher of the faith. Where is he? He's above. If you keep your eyes upon Jesus, the world then is outside there. So as you run your race, as you seek the kingdom, keep looking up. Keep looking at the Lord Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Keep seeking him. The kingdom seeker, dear friend, will keep adding to their faith virtue. The kingdom seeker will keep adding to their virtue knowledge. That word there is gnosis. And there's a reason why he puts that there later on. The kingdom seeker adds to his uh, virtue, knowledge. He adds to knowledge, temperance. To be well balanced, not out of control. The kingdom seeker adds to his temperance, patience. The kingdom seeker adds to his patience, godliness. The kingdom seeker adds to godliness, brotherly kindness. The kingdom seeker adds to brotherly kindness, Love for everybody now. He does that. For if these things be in you and abound, not just a little bit of it, let it abound. If they abound in you, they make you that you shall neither be fruitful nor um, in the, in, neither unfruitful in the knowledge, the epinosis now. You'll get full knowledge of the Lord. You start with, I want more knowledge, growing the grace and and you'll end up with epinosis. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and, and have for that he is purged, forgot that he is purged from his old sin. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance. 
shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the kingdom. I'll guarantee you, if you do these things, the kingdom seeker is guaranteed you will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's been faithful over a few things. I'll make you roll over many things. Enter ye into the joy of thy Lord. Yes, that's the kingdom seeker, yes. The kingdom seeker, dear friend, presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. They don't give up. The kingdom seeker, they have resolved, as echoed in the chorus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though no one joins me, yet I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. These are some of the traits of the kingdom seekers. Are these traits beginning to be manifested in your life? If not, you are a kingdom believer and not a kingdom seeker. Oh, be a kingdom seeker today for sure. Blessed be thy name, our Father. May you use this to help us to resolve in our hearts. I'm resolved no longer to linger, charmed by this world's delights, Lord. And that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Thank you for the promises given to us for this life and that which is to come. We give you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you and God bless you all.